I invite you now to rise and stand as we hear God call us to his presence to worship him. He calls us with these words from Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Dear congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Amen. I invite you now to turn in your scripture reading, on our Old Testament reading, to the book of Ezekiel. We'll read, we'll read verses 11 through 16 and 23 through 24. In the context of this chapter, uh, the Lord is commissioning Ezekiel to speak against the shepherds of Israel, the leaders who are commissioned to lead God's people and to teach God's will. But these leaders had oppressed the sheep. They had been unfaithful in their role as teachers and shepherds. And so God promises that he will punish the shepherds for what they have done. But then he speaks in the passage that we are going to read about what he will do with the sheep. How he will gather them to himself. Beginning in verse 11, hear now the word of God. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the straight. I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them and justice. And down to verse 23, he goes on, And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. I invite you now to turn in your Bibles to our scripture reading for this morning in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. And we'll read verses 1 through 10 of chapter 19. Let us hear now the word of our God. Now he, that is Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector 
and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The grass withers and the flower falls, but God's word abides forever. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do ask now that you would bless this uh, uh, giving of your holy word. May you write this word upon our hearts, that we would meditate on it and embrace it and believe it and so live in light of it. May you speak to us and may you open our ears to hear and receive it. Bless your servant and give him clarity of mind, heart, and word to speak your word. Speak, O Lord, for your saints have gathered to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, in verse 10 of our passage, Jesus tells us the reason why he came to earth. Why did the Father send Jesus Christ? He says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now when we hear that word lost, what do we think about? When we hear that word lost, often when we think of something lost, we may think of a lost toy or perhaps a misplaced tool from the shop. Or perhaps a pet, a dog or a cat who ran away is lost. We need to find them. Or perhaps even if there is someone in your family who has gone missing, we say the person is lost and needs to be found. But the meaning, that Je- the meaning of this word lost that Jesus gives is much more than that. The word can also mean to be destroyed. To perish. It can be likened unto an army that goes out to battle and is defeated. And the general, seeing his troops flee in defeat, cries out, All is lost. He's not speaking of something misplaced that needs to be found, but rather that their cause is destroyed. There is no hope for victory. Or we may think of a criminal. Someone who is convicted of a crime and sent to prison for life. We can say of that person that his lot in life is lost. Not that he is having a hard time finding it, but it is perished. It is destroyed. There is no hope for him to live life to the fullest as he is in prison for his crimes. 
This is the meaning that Jesus has in mind. When he speaks of him coming to seek and save the lost, it means those who have perished in their sins. And brothers and sisters, you and I must confess that we were once lost and perishing sinners apart from Christ. Westminster Shorter Catechism 17 says that we and all mankind were born in an estate of sin and misery. That is a lost estate, a perishing estate. We've been cut off from God for our rebellion. We've been condemned to destruction. And by pursuing the very pleasures and desires of our heart that gravitate our attention, we run away. We flee from the God we love. It's one thing to just be lost or misplaced. It is something entirely different to be destroyed. But that is our state, apart from Christ. But God, in his mercy, sought us. When we were wandering astray and destroying ourselves in our sin, nay, when we were even dead, God sought us out. He called us by name and brought us into his presence. He saved us by his Son, Jesus Christ, the Savior. Indeed, we will see in this passage that Jesus Christ came to seek and save the lost children of Abraham, including a tax collector like Zacchaeus. Jesus Christ came to seek and save the lost children of Abraham. And we'll consider this under three headings. First, we will see Zacchaeus, the lost sinner. Second, we will see Jesus, the Savior, seeks the lost sinner. And then third, we will see Zacchaeus found, a restored son of Abraham. Let us now turn our attention to Zacchaeus, the lost sinner. We are not given much information about Zacchaeus. This is the only place in the New Testament where we meet him. He's nowhere else. And yet he's here for a purpose. Luke mentions him particularly as Jesus is coming towards Jerusalem. Jesus is on his way heading towards the cross. And on his way he's been stopping place by place to teach his disciples that he must suffer and die. And also teach them, this is how you are to live in the presence of the king. And as he comes to Jericho, he meets Zacchaeus. Well, we do have a few descriptions about him. He is called, in verse 2, a chief tax collector. Now, tax collectors were despised by the Jews in those days. In fact, the tax collectors were viewed as agents of the Roman Empire. The Romans were the oppressors who oppressed the Jews and other peoples and taxed them of their money. And they would use tax collectors, even Jewish ones like Zacchaeus, to extract money and payments for the government. But in the business of doing tax collecting, you could get a little profit yourself. The tax collectors were viewed as traitors, but they were also viewed as thieves, <coughs> cheaters, frauds, who would take and amass wealth for themselves, stealing from the poor. But Zacchaeus is even more than that. He's the chief tax collector. He's the head honcho of the tax collectors in Jericho. He's the boss. 
So that means he's even more wealthy. He's got power. And then he said, and then we just hear that he is rich. Now, throughout the Gospel of Luke, the Lord has condemned the rich. Not because they were rich, but because they used their wealth to better themselves and oppress the poor. Riches are not evil. How you use riches can be good or evil. And in the case of the rich that Jesus condemns in Luke 6, the Sermon on the Plain, Jesus says, Woe to you who are rich! Later he confronts a rich young ruler in in chapter 18 who says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what does Jesus tell him? Go sell all you have. Give to the poor. You all have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. What does the young man do? He walks away. He has no heart for God. He has no heart for the poor. We also have this description in verse 3 of Zacchaeus. He was small of stature. He was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He was a midget, short, and because of his size, he is prevented from even seeing Jesus. The crowd prevents him. But you also have to understand that midgets in those days were viewed by both Jews and Greeks as twisted in character. You can't trust midgets. You can't trust short people. So Zacchaeus, in the eyes of the people has all these strikes against him. He's a tax collector. He's the boss of the tax collectors. He's very rich. And he's a midget. Humanly speaking, he's the worst sinner that we can possibly think of. He doesn't belong with us. He's no good. And in sum, Zacchaeus is a lost, worthless sinner. Like the criminal who has no hope, whose lot in life is perished. He is viewed and despised by the people. And all Zacchaeus can do is climb up in a tree to even just look at Jesus. He has no access to the teacher. And we don't know how much Zacchaeus knew about Jesus to even begin to seek him. Perhaps all he heard was, oh, there's this prophet coming through Jericho. Who is this Jesus Curious to see who he is, and yet he's prevented. So he goes up into the tree. How would you liken Zacchaeus to someone in our day? A chief IRS agent? A swindler? The richest man in town? A multimillionaire? Who we know has a reputation for (coughs) sinful, evil behavior. In our minds, would we not think that he would be the last person to show up here in this church? He is the least likely person to come. That's how the crowds treated him. But we might say the same about others. What is the worst person that you could think of that you would, in your humanly power, seek to avoid? Convicted criminal, one who identifies as transgender. If such a person comes into this assembly, 
What would be your natural response? If we're honest with ourselves, we are too easy to give the cold shoulder. To say you don't belong. We may not say it, but we can communicate it. We're often confused. We don't know how, how, how do you respond to such a person. If such a person comes. But brothers and sisters, we must understand that apart from Christ, we are no different. In our hearts, we are just as sinful and vile. As a chief tax collector, as a transgender, as the worst criminal. Why? Because where does sin come from? The heart. If the heart is wicked, anything that comes from the heart is sinful, no matter how it's expressed. And if a person is living a life that is outwardly wicked, yes, we shun and avoid easily. But we also have to recognize that the person is the way they are because God has given them over to their sin. And if God had chosen to do so, we would be in the same position. Our hearts have that tendency to wander from the God we love. We are prone by nature to hate God and our neighbor, as the Catechism declares. Look at your heart and recognize what idols, what pleasures, what beliefs do you hold to that says, I am number one. I'm looking out for my own self-interest. <coughs> Everyone else can go to the wayside. <coughs> we are no different. Apart from Christ, we were in a lost, perishing state. But the hope of the gospel is that God saved us. God redeemed us. He sought us out. Little did Zacchaeus know, as he sat up there in the sycamore tree, that Jesus came to Jericho personally to seek Zacchaeus out. Zacchaeus is off in the distance. There's no way that he has access to Jesus, and yet Jesus goes to him. So we see in our second point, Jesus the Savior seeks the lost sinner. It was Jesus' purpose to go through Jericho. He could have gone around, could have carried on to Jerusalem, but no, he had to go through Jericho <coughs> to find Zacchaeus and save him. He came, as we see in verse 5, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus came to seek Zacchaeus personally. He calls him out by name, Zacchaeus. And perhaps the tax collector is thinking to himself, how does he know me? And yet Jesus' purpose was to seek him out. He brings him, he calls him, he says, come down, come down from the tree, for I must stay at your house. That word must is found throughout this gospel. It is often translated it is necessary, or it had to be, indicating that it is Jesus' divine task to save Zacchaeus. Jesus was sent by the Father specifically to save this sinner. And as we read in the end of the Gospel of Luke, 
The same word in Greek is used when Jesus says to the disciples after his resurrection, thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to enter into his glory and that repentance of sins and forgiveness in his name be preached in Jerusalem. It was necessary, showing that it is God's purpose. God's divine purpose was to save Zacchaeus. The Lord sought Zacchaeus, not the other way around. The Lord sought you, not the other way around. We also read in verse 5 how he says, I must stay at your house. In those days you would expect that it is the host that invites the guest to stay at his house. We read earlier in the Gospel of Luke that Simon, a Pharisee, in chapter 7, comes to Jesus and says, Come, eat at my house. And other people do the same. But here, the main guest, notice this, the main guest invites the host. What a change of events. The main guest invites the host to welcome him and receive him into his home. This is the love and grace of our Savior. The love and grace of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. The shepherd who rescues the lost sheep. And Jesus shows in his actions that he is like the father of the prodigal son. That even when the son is afar off, the father runs to him and falls at his feet and embraces him. This is what Jesus does to Zacchaeus. He seeks him out, calls him by name, and restores him. But what Jesus reveals in his actions towards Zacchaeus is the same heart of God that God has had for all sinners. Recall in the garden when our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned against God. They fled from God and hid in the trees of the garden. But what did God do when he came to them? He sought them. He called them by name. And promised to bring redemption. He promised that he would bring a savior. A son of woman who would crush the head of the serpent. That he would restore them from being rebels to children. Think also of Abraham. The idol worshiper of Ur of the Chaldees. Lost without any hope of God in the world. And yet God sought Abram out, called him by name, get out of your country and go to a land that I will show you. And I will bring blessing to all the nations through you. And Abram was saved. Or think of the children of Israel, slaves in bondage in Egypt, without any hope of rescue. God sought them out and called them by name and redeemed them from bondage to Pharaoh and from the idolatry of the Egyptians. To say, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Or think of David. When David committed adultery with Bathsheba and he was in great sin before God, what did God do? Through his servant, the prophet Nathan, God sought David out, called him by name confronted him in his sin, but restored him, forgave him. As we read in our passage in Ezekiel 34, while all the sheep of Israel, while in the exile, Israel was scattered to the wind in every corner, 
when it speaks about the sheep going off into the valleys and into the hills, it's alluding to their worship of idolatry, to the idols that they would worship in the valleys, in the hills. They went off and wandered from the God of Israel. But God promised to seek out and bring them back to be one flock, that he would rescue and bind their wounds and restore them. And Jesus is that promised shepherd, the true shepherd of his people who comes and saves his people. Jesus, the shepherd king, has come to seek and save all the lost children of Abraham, whether of Israel or of the Gentiles. Those who share in the faith of Abraham who have nothing to bring but simply cling to the cross of Christ. Jesus has come to seek them. And what do we see in verse 6? What is Zacchaeus' response? So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. What Zacchaeus thought was going to be nothing more than a curious encounter became the scene of divine reconciliation between a holy God and a lost sinner through the Savior Jesus Christ. And Zacchaeus is full of joy. He realizes because Jesus has opened his heart. Zacchaeus trusts the Savior. He doesn't call him rabbi or teacher. In verse 8, what does he call him? Lord. Zacchaeus expresses his faith. He embraces Jesus Christ as his Savior. He trusts in him alone for salvation and welcomes and receives him gladly into his home. We see Zacchaeus' faith in action. And it's a faith that leads to joy. Rejoicing. He rejoices that he, the lost sinner, was found, was sought by the Savior and brought home. The Savior has come to seek him. And brothers and sisters, perhaps in your hearts you may grieve over friends or family that to this day continue to follow after their sin, who say, I don't believe in Jesus. I won't follow Jesus. I'll go my own way. Thank you very much. When your heart grieves for them, is it impossible for God to save them if he saved a tax collector like Zacchaeus? The answer is no, it's not impossible. If God's purpose is to save them, he will save them. He will not rest until he has called all his sheep into his flock. No matter who they are, no matter what station in life, no matter how worst of a sin sinner they are, Christ will save them. And God gather them in. And what are we called to do? We are called to share that heart of Christ to them as well. Yes, we are not the ones to bring them in. We are called to speak to them of Christ. And to show to them that the heart that God has for them is our heart for them as well. We plead, come to Jesus. 
Rest in Him. You have no hope apart from Him. Do we reflect that heart of Christ to our unsafe family, friends, and neighbors? I pray and ask that God would work in each of us to more and more reflect His heart to others because He first showed that to us when we were lost. And now we turn in our final point to Zacchaeus found, the restored son of Abraham. In verse 7, we find that the crowd does not share the heart of Christ. What do they say? They all grumbled. He is gone and to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. The crowd doesn't get it. Pharisees didn't get it. That Jesus came to save sinners, not the righteous. What did we just sing? Come ye sinners, poor and wretched. Not the righteous, not the righteous sinners Jesus came to call. Because the Pharisees thought that they were right in their standing before God. They thought, hey, we got it all together. That was the problem with the rich young ruler. He thought that I must do something to be received by God. I just got to do one last thing. And so they look at Zacchaeus and say, he's a sinner. Why would, the, why would he be with a guest with him? How often do we even fail to understand God's heart and reach to all sinners, all kinds of sinners? And yet Jesus confronts us with that and shows mercy. And how does Zacchaeus respond to this statement of the crowd? In verse 8, he stood up and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Now, it's described in the present tense. And some may look at this passage and say, Well, is Zacchaeus describing what he's always done? That he's always given half of his possessions to the poor? That this is his lifestyle that he, if he cheats, he gives back fourfold. Some have interpreted this as to mean that. But if you understand Zacchaeus' background, that is not what he's saying. He's not justifying himself, saying that I did what your law requires. No. He, is, he recognizes his sin, and, he and having received Jesus Christ as his Savior by faith, he says, now in thankfulness, I will live my life in obedience. He bears fruits of repentance, turning away from his sin and turning to God because Jesus sought him out and brought him to himself. What is the key is saying? In a sense, he's saying, behold, the half of my goods I will give to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone of anything, I will restore him fourfold. He doesn't promise to do this as a way to earn God's favor. He does it because he has already received God's favor. Jesus has sought him and brought him in. And in thankfulness, what does Zacchaeus do? I'm going to be generous. If the tax collector was one who stole from the poor and, and sought to rich and engrandize himself, Zacchaeus puts that away. And says, I will get half. And the expectation in Jesus' day, the Jews expected that if you were going to give offerings to the poor, you'd give maybe 20% of your wealth. 
Zacchaeus exceeds that to 50%. What's different for him compared to the rich young ruler? Jesus had told the rich young ruler to give all. Zacchaeus gives half. And if the rich young ruler were here, he would say to Jesus, wait, is the kingdom of God for sale? Yeah, you give half, that, you would, he would, that Zacchaeus would come in to give half? And you expect me to give all? The, the issue is not the amount of money. The issue is the heart. The rich young ruler had no heart for Jesus. Zacchaeus' heart is open wide. And so he responds by giving to the poor. But then also he promises to repay fourfold what was stolen. In Exodus 22 we read that if anyone steals a sheep or an ox, they must restore fourfold or fivefold what is stolen. And what is Zacchaeus saying? I will submit to the penalty of the law. I will give back what was stolen four times, five times the amount, according to what the law says. He doesn't do it out of guilt. He does it out of joy. He offers to make personal reparations for his sins, yes, but out of love, out of joy, and out of thankfulness. That is how he responds. And we see in verses 10, 9, and 10, Jesus' summary of this whole episode. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus declares salvation has come. Well, he is the Savior. He has personally come to Zacchaeus. He has come into his house to abide with him. To stay with him. He calls him a son of Abraham. It is not those who are descended from Abraham that belong to Christ, but those who, like Abraham, believe and trust in the Savior and who respond in faith by giving fruits of repentance. This is the message that John the Baptist preached in Luke 3. Do not say to you, we have Abraham for our father. For for God can make these stones to be children of Abraham. What does he say? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. That's what Zacchaeus does. He shows the fruit of his faith by living in obedience. By turning away from sin and turning to God in Christ. That is repentance. Zacchaeus shares the faith of Abraham. He shares the obedience of Abraham. But why does Zacchaeus share this faith and repentance? Because Jesus came to seek and save him. That's the reason. Zacchaeus couldn't save himself. Jesus saved him. Zacchaeus could not respond to give to the poor unless Jesus had mercy on one who was poor in spirit. Zacchaeus, meeting the Savior, knew that he was a sinner. But the Lord sought him out. Jesus says, this is why I came. I came to seek and save the lost, those who are perishing. And if he saves Zacchaeus, the worst sinner that we can think of, which is what he's supposed to be in the story, then his arm is not short. His arm is extended that he can save everyone. All kinds of people. 
from the worst criminals to the richest millionaires to the poorest of the poor. None are outside the reach of Christ. He will save all those who are his. Jew and Gentile alike. And why does he say that he will save? Because what happens afterwards? Remember, Jesus is going to Jerusalem. He has set his face to go to Jerusalem. He is on the road to the cross. He stops in Jericho to save Zacchaeus while pointing to himself saying, I will accomplish your full redemption in less than a week. I will accomplish that full redemption. I will pay the penalty of your sins in my body. I will suffer the pains of hell on the cross for you. (coughs) Jesus will die for Zacchaeus' sins. Suffering the righteous for the unrighteous. The just for the unjust. The good shepherd is the one who lays down his life for the sheep. As Jesus declares in John 10. That is what he came to do. And yet Jesus did not remain dead. He rose again. In life and in glory. And all those who belong to Jesus Christ. Body and soul. In life and in death. Are his. They have shared in his death, and they share in his resurrection. Paul says to the Colossians, If you have been raised with Christ, seek those things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set not your mind, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. Why? For you have died. And your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. The life that we have that responds in faith and repentance is the life of Christ. He is your life. Without him, you have nothing. I have nothing. Because, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him to be sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's what Jesus accomplished as our Savior. To seek and save us when we were lost. That's what He did. Jesus has secured our salvation and He will save all the children of Abraham from all nations. So I ask, I, I call out to you this day, brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ, I call out to you friends who are here from outside, If you have not repented of your sins, have hated and turned from them, and embraced Christ, do so now. Today, salvation has come here. Even now, Jesus calls to you. Turn to me. Come to me. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Come to Jesus without money. Come to Jesus without price. Come to the water of life and drink freely. He calls you now. Come one, come all. Come to me. For I must stay with you. But if you 
continue in stubborn unrepentance in your sin. (coughs) Then the lost estate that is yours now will only get worse. If you refuse to come to Christ, there is nothing but everlasting destruction. That eternal state of lostness. To be completely cut off from God forever. All the good pleasures that you enjoy in this life will be taken away. If you do not come to Christ. For as a theologian once said, for the unbeliever, this life is the best that you'll ever have. For the believer in Christ, this is the worst it ever gets. Because Christ died for you. Come to Jesus. Come embrace Him. If you are here today and you are not a part of this church, I invite you, come, be part of Christ's people. For Jesus came to seek and save the lost, not so they could be by themselves, but gathered together in one flock. Come, be part of this community that is growing in recognition of the Savior and embracing Christ. And for you members, long time, remember the grace of Christ who sought you and called you when you were lost. And rejoice with me. Your sin is great, but Christ is greater. For he is the Savior who seeks and saves all who are lost. Let us rejoice, always. And again I say, rejoice. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do ask that you would indeed open our hearts, that you would turn us back to you from our sins. As we have, as we have sought and followed after the pleasures of this world, even our own sin, May you draw us back to yourself. Call us by name and may you restore us to your presence. Restore us to your people. Restore us. Revive us. Give us faith. Give us repentance. For only you can do that work. We ask all this for Jesus' sake. Amen.